Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. here from us uh, for those of you with us on Wednesday night you know a few weeks back we had uh, a missionary from the Philippines actually a pastor from the Philippines by the name of Nani and his wife Lorna Catalan uh, we took up a donation for their their uh, church they're they're looking to build on to their church and so he sent a uh, card it says dear brother Brian and the Huntsville family a note to tell you thanks so much uh, you have all you have uh, you always have a thoughtful touch We'll uphold you always in our prayers to the throne of God's grace. We love you and we'll miss you all, Nani and Lorna Catalan. So we do want to continue to pray for the ministry of the Catalans in, uh, in the Philippines and that their church will continue to bless many uh, over in their area. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Uh, once again, that's Luke chapter uh, 24, verses uh, 36 through 49. And so we do encourage you, if you uh, have your copy of God's Word with you, to uh, grab a copy and please stand as we pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious Holy Word, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit and he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do, you, do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they, did, uh, while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, uh, and that all the things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise, from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father to you, or upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or empowered or endued with power from on high. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. We simply ask, Lord, that you would allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, hold back any words that don't need to be spoken, and in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that we will apply these things and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. And you may be seated. I was asked not to give my source today, but a very good person told me a story this past, uh, this past week in the office that was too good not to share. I have to share this with you. Uh, it's a story about a man who had recently purchased a red Corvette. Man, he was proud of this Corvette. And he was uh, driving one late Friday afternoon down the road. And uh, when he noticed that behind him there were these uh, police lights that came on the patrol car following after him. And so he decided to test the police officer a little bit. So he reared up his engine and, and, and sped up a little bit. But that highway patrolman was right on his tail. He couldn't shake the highway patrolman. So he says, all right, I'm going to be smart about this and pull over. So he pulls over, and the highway patrolman comes up, and he asks the man, as he always does, for his license and registration. The man hands him his license and registration. And uh, he, said, uh, he said to the man, he says, all right, because you pulled over, and, and this is late in the day. I really don't want to have to fill out all this paper and registration because I'm getting ready to go home. He said, I I'll make a deal with you. If you can give me an excuse for why you sped up, an uh, ex excuse in which I have never heard before, then I'll let you go. Well, the man in the red Corvette thought about it for a little bit. He says, well, officer, it's like this. You see, a few years ago, my wife left me with a, with a highway patrolman and I was afraid that you were bringing her back. That's why I sped up. I was afraid you were bringing her back. <laughs> well, unlike, uh, unlike that gentleman, and I, I'm assuming with the way the story went, the, the officer probably let him go because I doubt he had ever heard that story before. But unlike the driver of that red Corvette, the disciples were extremely happy to see Jesus alive from the dead. It was unlike anything that they could ever have imagined because quite honestly, they didn't expect Jesus to rise from the dead. You know, we are always under the assumption that they expected it, but they didn't expect it. In their mindset, they were expecting a military leader who would come and redeem them from Rome. They would, who would come and redeem them from the powers that be. They weren't expecting their Messiah to come and die on the cross, and they certainly weren't expecting him to rise from the dead. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we mentioned this morning at our sunrise service, is a reality. It's an historical fact. It is as good of a historical fact as any other of antiquity. And the reality of Jesus gives us three points that we must make today. Number one, when Jesus appeared to the disciples in verses 36 to 43, we see the reality of the risen Jesus' factuality, that it really did happen they weren't expecting this in fact they were dumbfounded when they saw Jesus alive from the dead they thought that they had seen a ghost or something like that how was it that this Jesus whom they saw nailed to a tree nailed to a cross was now standing before them and if you look back in the scriptures you see that Jesus himself stood in the midst of them he's standing in an accompaniment of individuals now he did make private appearances 
We see from the scriptures that he appeared to Peter individually. He appeared to James individually. He appeared to Mary Magdalene individually. But he also appeared to groups of people. At one point in time we even hear where he stood before 500 people at the same time who saw the risen Jesus. He stands before them and again they thought that they were seeing a ghost. And then he showed them his hands and his feet. Remember the story of Thomas. Thomas would not believe unless he felt the nail prints of Jesus' hands and saw the nail prints in his his feet and thrust his hand in his side. Then finally, Jesus ate a piece of broiled fish. See, it's hard to fake that. Ghosts just don't appear and eat fish, do they? I've never seen one just show up and eat fish. All of this was to show that Jesus himself had risen from the dead as the scriptures had already been saying, as he had promised was going to happen, it was a reality. I mentioned this morning in our sunrise service of a statistic that troubled me greatly this past week. And that was, uh, it came from the BBC News. They reported that 25% of British Christians, we're not talking about skeptics, we're not talking about unbelievers, we're talking about individuals who go to church, who profess to be Christians, 25% of British Christians said that they do not believe in the literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. That would be like being a Buddhist saying that you didn't believe in the Buddha or that you would be a Hindu saying you don't believe in reincarnation. That is absolutely, completely mind-boggling because Christianity is built upon this event of history. You see, we have become, I think, in, in my mind, too skeptical. We've become too skeptical that even if a miracle happens before our very eyes, we're so skeptical that we wouldn't even believe it if the risen Jesus himself stood in front of us. I believe many people would say, if Jesus himself were to stand in front of them, well, that's just that burrito I ate last night. That, that, was, just, that was something I ate last night. That's not real. That really didn't happen. We've become so skeptical that we need to start being skeptical of our own skepticism. Amen? We've become so skeptical because here's the point. Frank Turek, uh, Steve and I were talking about this apologetics conference coming up in October. I highly recommend you come if you can to this. It's absolutely amazing. Frank Turek asked the question in one particular lecture. He asked, what is the greatest miracle of all? What's the greatest miracle of all time? And I, like most people in that crowd, said the resurrection. But he said, no, it's not the resurrection. He says, the greatest miracle of all is Genesis 1-1, that God created everything that exists. And if we can open our minds up to the fact that God created everything that exists and that he's still working in this world, then every other miracle from Genesis to Revelation at least becomes possible. Because if God exists and God is real and he's working and he's moving, then there's no limitation to what God can do. Amen? Miracles are still possible. Amen? God is still in the miracle working business. You see, the story of Jesus' ministry on earth begins with the proclamation of the angel saying to Mary that nothing shall be impossible with God. And so we shouldn't really be surprised that Jesus rose from the dead because it's well within the power of God to do something as spectacular as that. You see, the resurrection is a factuality. It's something that actually took place. And because of that, all of history, all of life, has been forever changed. Number two, we see the reality of the risen Jesus' fulfillments. Now, Jesus appeared to two men on the road to Emmaus late Sunday afternoon. 
You see, Sunday, on Easter Sunday, there was a lot going on. There was a lot happening that morning. There was a lot happening that afternoon, a lot happening that evening. Later in the day, the two men were walking on the road to Emmaus, and they were just bum-fuzzled about what happened. They were just completely amazed that this Jesus, whom they saw on a cross, had been reported to be seen alive. And all of a sudden, they're walking down, and then they start talking to this fellow. And they don't realize that it's Jesus. And Jesus starts explaining to them what had to take place as it was fulfilled in the Scriptures. Everything that happened in his life was a fulfillment of what the Scriptures said would happen. And they noted that, they, that while Jesus was, was with them, their eyes eventually became open to the fact that this was the risen Jesus. And they noted that their, their hearts burned within them while he was talking and explaining the Scriptures. You see, again, you have to put your mindset in people living back at this time. They have the mentality they were, they were being used and abused by Rome. Rome was a horrible uh, a group, of, a group of individuals. I mean, uh, not everybody was, but, but uh, the Roman government, they came in, they came to oppress, and if you dared question the Roman government, they would publicly crucify you or find another form of execution. Some people ask the question, did the, were the Romans really good at killing people? Yes, they were killing machines. And if they didn't successfully kill someone, their lives were taken in their place. You see, life was very cheap to the Roman Empire. Very cheap indeed. But you see, the Jews at this time, they weren't expecting a divine Messiah to come and redeem them for their sins. They weren't expecting someone to come and rise from the dead. They were expecting someone to come and cure the problems that they were facing at that point in time. But when they looked back after Jesus' resurrection and understood that he had really risen from the dead, then everything started making sense. Jennifer has a saying that I think is really good. She says, hindsight's twenty twenty, And I think that's true. If you look back on something, it makes sense. But while you're going through something, it doesn't make a lot of sense at that time, does it? For instance, you know, I, I shared this story at Grandma's funeral. One of the best stories I think I have about Grandma it's a, it's a story, you know, Grandma and Grandpa used to be farmers, and they had uh, these goats in the back of their house, you know, and, they, and I used to spend the night with them on some uh, Friday afternoon, sometimes Friday evenings, or Saturday evenings, and they would take me to church the next morning. But Grandma had hurt her hip, and I can't remember exactly how she had done this, but she had hurt her hip, and they had these billy goats back in the back, and I was asking her, I said, Grandma, can I go help you feed the billy goats? She says, no, honey, I'm afraid you'll get hurt, let me do it. The reason is they had one nasty goat named Billy. He was a mean Billy goat, and he, he should have called him Billy Goat Gruff because that's exactly what he was. This stupid thing came up and rammed her right in her bad hip and knocking her to the ground. Well, I came running at this time. I was about ready to kill that goat, and she says, No, honey, stay back. I don't want you to get hurt. Well, this stupid thing rears up again, knocks her in that bad hip, knocking her to the ground again. She says, I got this. And boy, did she ever. She reached down and she got a stick as long as my arm from my fist to my elbow with a knot on the end of it as big as my fist with this little twig sticking out. And she lit into that goat. Man, you could hear the thuds of that stick laying into that goat. It sounded like a Mike Tyson Evander Holyfield fight without the missing ear. I mean, it was on. By the time she got done with that goat, I felt sorrier for the goat than I did for Grandma. <laughs> But all the while, as I thought back about this, I didn't, I didn't see this at the time. When I thought back upon it, 
I realized Grandma was really looking out for me. She was afraid that I was going to get hurt while this crazy goat was ramming into her. And in the end, she had her victory against the goat. Again, understand this. The, the disciples were not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. And that's why Jesus had to spend 40 days with them, uh, explaining the scriptures to them that all these things were a fulfillment of what was in the scriptures. They just didn't see it. You know, a lot of times we want to try to make the Bible say what we want it to say, but we don't see the clear principles given to us in the Word. And that's what was happening with the disciples. They saw what they wanted to see. They wanted redemption from Rome, but there was a greater redemption coming, a redemption from their sins. Last but certainly not least, we see the reality of the risen, risen Jesus' fortification. We see the factuality that it really did happen. We see that. We see the fulfillment of the scriptures, but we also see the fortification. Look with me in verses 48 and 49. He goes on to say, he talks about in verses 46, how all of this was a fulfillment of the scriptures. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It began where they were. You see, we have to start evangelism where we are, ministering where we are and reach out from that point forward. And he says in verses 48 and 49, And you are my witnesses of these things. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, that you have the promise upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He's talking about the day of Pentecost there. That moment when the Spirit of God would come down upon them and fill their lives. You see, today we don't have to wait for that to be a separate thing, I don't believe. Because the moment we receive Christ Jesus and we have an open heart and mind, then the Holy Spirit of God comes and abides with us and we in Him. And folks, we are given power to do the work of God because of the Holy Spirit that's come upon us. But He wouldn't have come upon us had it not been for the resurrection of Jesus. All of this is coming about because of the fulfillment of the scriptures. That word power is the word dunamis in Greek. We get our word dynamite from that word. Now, now the dynamite didn't come, you know, uh, that, we, can't, we can't switch that around. Uh, but the, the dunamis means power. It means essentially the potentiality to exert force in performing some function. Craig Keener notes that Isaiah spoke of Israel being witnesses to or against the nations in the end times by means of the endowment of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit was especially associated with the ability to prophesy, to speak as God inspired a person to speak. You see, you have power within you today. That Holy Spirit of God is abiding in your heart, is abiding in your life, and that was only possible because of the atonement that took place on the cross and the resurrection that took place afterwards. Because Jesus lives, we have that ability to receive His Holy Spirit today and we are, receive power to do even greater things than we could ever think or imagine because of God living within us. That's why the scripture is correct in saying, greater is He that is within us than He that is in the world. Why it's also said that it's also true in Philippians where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do it of my own accord. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do these things. But understand very, very clearly, folks, 
before we get a crown, we must often face a cross. Amen? We must often face dark days before we see the light of day. We may have to go through a Friday to get to a Sunday. You see, in, in, many, in many circles today, and it really concerns me greatly, in many circles today, we have this name it, claim it philosophy that we think that if we can name something, we can claim it, that it's automatically ours, and we think that we'll never have to go through any sorrow, we'll never have to go through any problems. But that's not biblical, friend. Because Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And the cross is an instrument of death, you see. We must understand that being a Christian doesn't mean that life is going to get easy. In some ways, being a Christian means that life may get a little more difficult than the way it was before. But you see, God doesn't promise that he's going to remove the problems from us. He promises us that he's going to help us through those problems, through those storms. Let me give you an example. I've been reading a book by Norman Geisler called If God, Why Evil? And he tells the story of a young woman who was in an automobile accident and was confined for the rest of her life in a wheelchair. And she, she, along with many other Christians, were praying because they knew that God had the power to heal her, that if it was within God's will that she could stand up and walk again. But she had these friends who came and round and they were praying over her. And they were praying for her. They prayed ardently for her, for her to be able to stand up and walk again. And she didn't. They tried to lift her up and stand her up to, to walk, but she couldn't. They tried this several times. And then one of those ladies, a very cruel lady, said to her, if you had enough faith, you'd be able to stand up and walk. If you had enough faith, you'd be able to stand up. To which she replied, no, if you had enough faith, you would be able to get in this wheelchair. You see, God, may, God has the power to heal us, absolutely. But understand that sometimes... Uh, God, the truth is that God delivers some people from their sickness and others through their sickness. Both, Norman Geisler says, is the hand of God. God gives us the power to endure difficulties in our life. We have that power. Trent Butler says in his commentary that through this statement, Jesus' command is telling us to preach the name of Jesus, call for repentance, promise forgiveness, this is what the scriptures said would happen. This is what you must do. This is your mission. The mission is worldwide. You cannot accomplish this immediately. You must have a starting point. That is right here where you are, here in Jerusalem. Start where you are and preach the name of Jesus, calling for repentance and promising forgiveness. Then scripture will continue being fulfilled. We may not have an easy road. We may have to suffer a lot of difficulties. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us through any obstacle we may face. It's true that God could remove the obstacles if he chose to. But it may be that we may be a witness to other people going through the circumstances that we do. The resurrection gives us that promise. The resurrection promises us that power through the risen Lord. You see, a lot of times, I, I, I'm especially bad about this, we often get things confused in our minds about certain things. I'm reminded of a woman who uh, went to an auto parts store. She had uh, been doing some maintenance on her car, and she, she lost a cap. 
And she went to this auto parts store and she asked the clerk up front saying, uh, Sir, I need a 710 cap. A 710 cap, he said. What's a 710 cap? She said, I have no clue. It's on my engine and I'm, I'm missing this 710 cap. He says, well, well ma'am, where at in, on your engine is it found? And she said, well, it's right there next to the motor. You know, it's, it's a very important cap. It's on every vehicle I've ever seen. Ever seen. It's called a 710 cap. He said, well, ma'am, hold on a second. Let me get my manager over here. So the manager comes, and, and he's explaining. He says, well, how big is this cap? She says, well, about that big. It's a circle, and it has 710 on the front of it. He says, well, ma'am, I want you to do me a favor. He gets a, a piece of paper out, and he gets a pencil. He says, I want you to draw this cap for me. And then it makes sense. She draws the cap and puts the 710, and him being in, on the opposite side notices that it doesn't say 710, it says oil. She was looking for an oil cap, not a 710 cap. And then when she finally realized this, her face turned as red as a tomato and paid for the cap and left the, left the place. You see, life is confusing. It's easy for us to get twisted around. But the promise we have in the resurrection is that we have life beyond the scope of this mere mortal world. If the resurrection weren't true, boy, we would not have a reason to celebrate at all. We would be hopeless. We would be, can you imagine what life would be? I mean, don't get me wrong. We, I believe we need to enjoy the here and now. But can you imagine what life would be if this was all there was and there was nothing more? All the pain, all the misery of this world, all the evil going about in this world. The resurrection promises us that there is life beyond this. That there is salvation found in Jesus Christ. That there is a heaven awaiting us that is far better than anything that we could ever think or imagine. The greatest reality of the resurrection of Jesus tells us that there is a greater future for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you on this Easter Sunday of 2017 that you would come down and give your heart and your life to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Allow Him to give you that resurrection power that only He can provide, that life, eternal life that only He can give to empower you with His Holy Spirit like only He can do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you don't, don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to come down. I want to encourage you to come down and receive him today before it's eternally too late. You may be here and you may say, Preacher, you don't know the things that I've done in my life. You know what? I don't need to know. The Bible says God already knows the things that you've done in your life and he chooses to save you regardless of all of that. So if you're here today and you've never received Christ, won't you come and receive him today? Maybe you're here today and maybe you're struggling with some things in life and maybe you just want the, the, just the super empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You want to become closer to Christ, we encourage you to come down as well. Maybe you want to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come and do as the Lord commands. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we feel your spirit so strongly here this morning. And we thank you so much. That when we talk about your son's resurrection, we're not talking about a comic book character. We're not talking about some myth or fancy or some, sort of some legendary figure. We're talking about a real historical person, about a real historical event, about the greatest reality of all time. And Lord, we just pray that during this time of invitation, 
as the choir is preparing to sing our hymn of invitation, we just ask, Lord, that you would prepare that heart. Maybe there's someone here today that's running from you, and we ask that today they would stop running. Today would be the day that they stop running, that today would be the day that they come to know your salvation. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We pray, Lord, that you would just have your will in your way in this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.